0: So you're, on your own. you're on your own. You're on your own. You're on your own. I think I'm going to have to get my word pulled back up on. My oh, it's still here. All right, so I just want to quickly before I get into the word, say a personal thank you. I think the last time I was here, maybe you were in the middle of coming, sending people to help with kids' church, or maybe it had just started. So I see a lot of you that came and did that, um, and I just want to say personally, we appreciate Heber so much in what you have done in our our own personal transition with Jordan and myself going into ministry at the same time. We lost a lot of our help in kids' church in that same season, and we needed somebody to come in and aid, and you did. Did it. You came as missionaries. Um, we saw a Heber Springs Assembly of God church bus pull up for at least eight weeks, if not more, and minister to our kids and give Jordan and I both time to work the altars, to minister to our church family together without having to be split apart and one of us do kids church. It was just something I cannot even express what it meant to us. The same with Emily coming to do music. They still ask me every week if you're coming and I'm like, no, that's over. Let it go. Move on. So sometime I might have to steal her back. My own family has come and helped. I appreciate the partnership that we have here with Hebrew. Uh, my, my entire family is here. I feel like everybody that matters is here. If I, my family's not here, you know, you guys don't tell them I said that. Everybody that matters is here, okay? Both my grannies, my mom and dad, my my siblings, my my spiritual parents. I feel like Pastor Brown and Miss Sherry are just spiritual parents to me. They have sowed so much into my life, and so I just had to take a minute to do that, to get some quick thank yous in and kind of do a little bit of housekeeping. And so if you would just be ready to jump in this morning, I want to jump right in. He said that I have learned what prayer is absolutely. And I would say that in the last two or three months, God has articulated in my own mind or revealed in my own spirit Something that I have been doing in all of my busyness, in all of the busyness in being a teacher and a a mom, a soccer mom, basketball mom, baseball mom, mother of three hoodlum children, you know, pastor of a church and, and, and relative of many others that just kept me pulled in so many directions. What kept me together was the Spirit of God. Because when I'm broken and when I'm stretched and when I'm spent, the Spirit of God never is. He never is. He will never get tired. I've tested him. (laughs) I have tested him in a big way. He never gets tired. And I understood that in my busyness and in my whirlwind that I have been in, that's been my life, that God was never tired. And when I rested in him, when I existed in him, when I began to do as the word says to abide in the father and in the spirit of God, I was never tired. Now, my physical man was tired, but my spirit man was just so passionate about God, and I didn't really understand what that looks like in the breakdown until I was able to slow down and to stop and to think. It's kind of like with cooking, how I understand I'm going to get to eat some of my dad's good cooking, some good dessert, some German chocolate upside-down cake. I'm all about it, and I cannot fully appreciate it, though, until I have seen the components that go into that mixture, until I have really been able to dissect what this is about, it's the same way with prayer. You can appreciate prayer in many different senses and what I hope this morning is to bring you a new sense of understanding about what spirit-filled prayer is like. So if you would stand with me as I go to the Word and I do this partly to honor my pastor, to honor Pastor Brown and to follow the pattern of his. And so I'm going to go through this scripture that I'll be using throughout the entire sermon. Right now you might be wondering, how is she going to cover all of that in this one topic I've got plans for later today. Don't worry, I promise that as I read read this scripture. I'll get to it and weave it all together at some point. And let's go with Luke 24 first. In Luke chapter 24 in verse 49, he says, and I'm reading out of the new King James, behold, I send the promise of my father. These are the words of Jesus upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And I love the new revised standard version of that. The new revised standard version says, until you have been clothed, with power from on high. And I want to talk about the clothing of the Spirit in our prayer life today. And then let's go to Acts chapter four. We know that that happened for them. In Acts chapter two, our history tells us that they were definitely clothed with power from on high and they changed in their spirit man. In Acts chapter four and 31, it tells us that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And then on in verse 33, with great power, the apostles and I skipped verse thirty-two gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And Second Corinthians three and eighteen tells us about the power that we experience and really what it does in our lives. And it says that we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And you may be seated this morning, and. I feel like that, this progression of being able to be clothed with the power of God until we are transformed truly into a vessel of power is something that happens in the prayer closet. And I really want to focus on Luke 24 in that verse that tells us to wait, where he said, wait until you're clothed with power from on high. And I'm sure you have experienced this week, uh, yesterday, Last night, you saw lots of people in costumes. If you're an adult, a grown-up that wears costumes just for fun, I think that's strange. I'm just going to tell you right away. That just freaks me out. I mean, I wore a costume last night too because I was, you know, I, I was having to hand out candy and I wanted it to be fun for the children, but I also handed out candy from this adult to other adults who were dressed up with no children with them, and that was just... An odd thing for me. I mean, it's just, uh, it gives me like, the wheelies just a little bit. I don't know if you're like that. If you're one of those people and I have offended you right now and you're not gonna listen to another word I say, I just pray that the Holy Spirit brings grace to my words. And in spite of my own personal opinion, you can still hear what I have to say, but there's something about a costume that seems to intrigue people and it is fun. I mean, I think, did your pastor dress up as Jake from State Farm? That's fun. That's funny. You're kind of like him. That's like pretty true to life, by the way. The khaki thing. <laughs> I mean, that's so true to life. You know, I mean, Jordan and I were the mullet twins, and then I saw somebody was a space family, Madeline. You guys were the space family. That was so cool. And so there, there are lots of ways that we come and we clothe ourselves as something different, and for a time, it's fun. And I don't know if you have one of these right here. Do you guys have one? I don't know. Any of you have boys? And so there is something about this, right? Yes. There's, it's the inevitable happens when a little boy puts one of these things on. The inevitable happens when a grown boy puts one of these things on. I, I know from personal experience. When we wear the ninja suit, we become the ninja. I've been, This piece of clothing is banned from my home. I mean until I get a few things super glued back together, that is banned. Because it is absolutely inevitable when Jace Christian puts on the ninja suit, it's like, oh, It's happening. I can't stop it from happening. I can say, Jace, you better not. And he's oh. you better I will I will I will hurt you. it's 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 coming it's coming when the ninja suit comes on i understand that the ninja warrior is about to be called forth that's what happens it's i love that he said be clothed as soon as as soon as i was gluing together my last picture that jace had picture frame that jace had broken i thought this is what it meant when he said be clothed with power because there's something inevitable about being clothed with power when you are clothed with power you cannot Help what is about to happen. Now, of course, the the gift is subject to the prophet, and I do believe that the power of God is subject. Let me just say that it's not about something that you do. It's about someone that you defer to, the very essence, nature, and being of God, ever-present, all-powerful, eternally perceptive, praying and working on my behalf with my will and his words. That yes, you're right. The inevitability of power is a, is a true thing. But at the same time, he doesn't take over me like a zombie. My will is transformed. It says with an unveiled face, I start to be transformed into the very image and the likeness of God because my will begins to be transformed. And not only do I have that power existing on the inside of me, and I believe with all of my heart that we are being built together as a temple for the Holy Spirit. And I've been taught my entire life that the Holy Spirit puts you on. He wears you as a glove. You are what the Holy Spirit uses. But at the same time, I understand that he asks me to be clothed with power. And it is such a comprehensive thing that not only is he working and living on the inside of me, but there is a tangible power, a force that exists all around me and through me and on me. And I know that I am clothed with power. And it changes your prayer closet. It changes your prayer life. That is what spirit-filled prayer looks like. We are dressed differently when we wear the garment of prayer. when When we wear that clothing of the spirit, it's clothing of power. And it's fun. And you don't ever take it off. It's not this costume that we get in and out of. But rather, it's a complete and absolute transformation In fact, when you look at the nature of God and everything that happens, it says that the place where they were in Acts 4 and 31, I'm going to go back to that for just a minute, that the place that they were in was shaken and they were filled with the holy spirit and with great witness they they gave or with great power they gave witness to the resurrection of Christ and grace was upon them we cannot in our own form shake the place that we are in but i know that if i can be clothed with the power of god then when i pray the very realm of the supernatural is shaken I want to be that world shaker not just this world but the world that I cannot see I want to know that when I pray the place is shaken and I've got not only my own spirit calmed but the principalities and powers of this world are shaken and they understand that there is an authority in that woman's prayer she is clothed with power and what she speaks and what she declares is the will and the word of heaven and I can't stand against. I might as well leave this mess alone. That's what happens in spirit-filled prayer. This is like part two of my last sermon that I preached. Boy, that wore me out. My guts were sore. I preached my guts out last time I came here. This is part two of that. So, dude, I'm I'm gonna talk like that this whole time. If it freaks you out, you're gonna have to just like scoot a few rows back. I'm just taking a reprieve right now from my preaching self to tell you this in a normal person. I'm breathing hard and I need an inhaler. I'm going to borrow Zeke's when I get done. But I'm going to just keep going with this. I've got three points. I'm going to just <clears throat> preach them the whole time because I'm excited about the clothing of the power of the Spirit. And then in 2 Corinthians, let me go back to that one. It says that I am going to be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When you decide it's not a costume, I don't want it just for a moment. I don't wanna play pretend but I want to be the real deal, the carrier of the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will see that you don't just go from crisis to crisis, but you go from glory to glory, and it's a whole different thing. My circumstances might look just like yours, but in my spirit, if I can carry with me the nature of God, I will find that there is power in my powerlessness. It is his nature to make the supernatural perfectly and gloriously natural to carry us into every battle. Listen to this. The Spirit of God, the clothing of God, carries us not only into a battle with the propensity to survive, but with the promise to succeed. And there's a difference in your prayer when you understand, I'm not just inclined to make it through this, but I am promised to overcome and to live as a testimony to God. That's completely different. The clothing of the Spirit changes us from those that carry in the church as a religious people. And that's what we sometimes are known as, as those that are strong and will probably make it through with our faith. That's a propensity to survive. no. I want to be somebody that the rest of the world probably thinks is a little bit crazy. But something's probably going to happen when she prays. Because she carries in her, by the power of the Spirit, the promise to succeed. Not for my own personal gain, but for the glory of the kingdom of heaven. Do what you will with my own life. Do what you will with my own flesh. Do what you will with my own will. You'll say it, by the way, when you're clothed with power. Because your will, praying his words, changes your will. And it's good. It's good when you can get there. It's such a freeing thing. That's the beauty of Pentecostal prayer. I, have I said Pentecostal yet? Because I was trying not to. All right, I did. It's out there. It's out there. i just tell you, I'm Pentecostal. It's not my best kept secret, by the way. That's the beauty of Pentecostal prayer, spirit-filled prayer. We, we identify with it using the word Pentecostal because we, we are a, a, a fellowship of believers that walks in the power that the, the same, our company of believers received on the day of Pentecost. When he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power on high, he meant wait for that one day, which we now call the day of Pentecost, when fire will fall on you and I will clothe you with my likeness, which is pretty powerful. I will clothe you with that. And you will be my witnesses. I'm a witness to the power of God in a very experiential way. And I just ask you right now, think about this before I ask you this question. It says that grace was upon them. They were tra- we are being transformed. We are clothed with power. The assembly was shaken. There's a very common theme here. And it is an absolute makeover involving an outside force. And I would just ask you this morning, before and even you as a fellowship, before you get to, to a place where, or as you are entering into a place where you're committing to prayer, I love pre-service prayer. We do pre-service prayer at Maranatha, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to be real honest with you. There's about four people that really pray, and everybody else just sits in there. I don't know what they're doing. Sometimes I want to get them up and like carry them around with me and just haul them around the sanctuary as I'm praying. I'm like, I can make this better for you. I really can't. The Holy Spirit can, but me and my fleshly man feels like I can. I'm like, come on, let me just show you how I do it, and it'll work. I mean, and it's not that way. That's just my fleshly person. But I encourage you, engage in pre-service prayer. Get back there in the amplified Kids room, wherever you're going. Get back there and decide that you're going to give your prayer closet a makeover. Get in the fellowship of other believers, of other prayer warriors. And I'm telling you what, I grew up watching people pray. And it, and it helped me pray. Get watch. I don't care. When, when it is time for worship... My children have to go to so many church services and so many functions and so much stuff. But when I know that the power of God's about to move, I'm knocking that phone out of their hand. I'm like, get up, boy. Get up. You better better be watching. God's fixing to do something. You better watch it. Because I want them to see. Because in their seeing, one day they'll see. They'll really see. They'll really see and they'll understand and they'll perceive. Even if you feel like, I don't know how to pray. Hopefully today after this morning, you're going to leave saying, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray like I prayed this morning every time I pray. That's what happens, by the way, when you're filled with the Spirit of God. That's how it changes you. It changes your appetite for the supernatural because you begin to understand that there is really something more. That's not really just words written on the the pages of a book that I have loved my whole life, but that is the nature of a God that I have served and followed my whole life revealing to me this day and from this day forward. That's when the Bible says glory to glory, by the way, himself in a new and more supernatural way than I have ever experienced. The world is desperate, is starved for the supernatural. Exhibit A, Halloween. What do you think they're searching for? Why do you think that every mainstream television network has been trying to whip up something supernatural? Because, Because it would draw ratings, because people would begin to watch, and people would begin to follow. When you begin to exist and to exude the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, You're going to begin to find that God is drawing men to himself through you and by you and with you. And there's no better way to follow Jesus than the spirit-filled way. When the spirit of God is always and ever using you. And let me just move. I, I got points. I got three of them. And I'm getting to them in just a second. Let me just mention this. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. If you're thinking about that makeover and you want it. And you want to see your life changed and forever empowered by his spirit. The word promises us that we walk Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let me encourage you, the only way that you're going to find the glory of spirit-filled prayer is in your spirit man, not in your flesh. Your flesh has got to die and get out the way so that God can begin to revive you in your spirit man and you will find that supernatural way. It's not—it's your, your might, your strength, and your leverage finally begin to beginning to grow and exist and succeed in the power of the spirit. I am a convincing person. I am a manipulative person when I want to be. I mean, that's just to ask my brother and sister. They know. They know, especially in the age of texting. I can be texting one and messing with the other. At the same time, they don't even know. But at the same time, they are, they're looking at each other, stop, until we get in the same room, and they're like, that's messed up. you got to do it. you got to do it to survive. I bet the Brown siblings know all about that. you got to work the group dynamic so that none of them ever turn on you because if they do, you're in trouble. Keep them split up so no one ever turns on you at the same time. I, that's, we can find leverage in the natural We can use our wits. We can use our giftings. We can use our own natural abilities to an extent, even in prayer. Even in prayer. Your mind can deceive you for a while in prayer. You can pray and you can have what you feel is peace in your spirit. I know. I've done it to myself, to my own self. My heart has deceived me. The Bible says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. Who can trust it? It's deceitful and desperately wicked, actually, is what it says. And who can trust it? And so I know that I have got to, in my own spirit, not wage carnally, I'm about to get ahead of myself and get to the next point. But pray in the Spirit. Exist in the Spirit. Grow in the Spirit. You can come to church and grow, 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 grow in your natural and fleshly man. You can go in your prayer closet, believe it or not, and grow, 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 grow in your natural and fleshly man if you are praying in the natural, if you are thinking and trying to meditate and trying to work in the natural. But there will come a point where it will be frustrating for you, where you will experience defeat, where you will not understand what's going on. You're hitting a ceiling. You're hitting a wall. And God intends by the power of his spirit to take our flesh, to discipline it to his will and to ultimately give us victory and glory and power. Those aren't just pretty words, they're real things. It's an experience that should happen in your prayer closet and it should happen consistently because we are clothed with power from on high. And I encourage you and challenge you this morning in that. But sometimes we are scared to step in, to step across the threshold. Or to skin the rabbit, by the way. You could think of it that way. Skin the rabbit. This is what that means. When my kids needed a change of clothes, I always said skin the rabbit. And then they would put their hands up and I would peel off the onesie, whatever else they had going on, and redress them. Happens a lot with babies. That's why Jordan doesn't want to have another one because he doesn't want to have to be doing that. He's like, think of the sleep. Think, of, You know, I smell a baby and I'm just like, please, Jorn, please. get. And he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to go there with the changing clothes, the, the having to, to trick him into doing what we want him to do and all that. And I mean, we're, we're, near, we're near the point where we can, at, we can at least bribe our children into behaving for one entire church service. He really doesn't want to have to go back to that child that you just can't have no control over. And so sometimes we are that way where we, 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 do, not, we do not want to allow ourselves to feel that vulnerability of going into the unknown. We don't want to allow God to strip us of what we already knew, of what was already comfortable, of what was already cozy, of what we we have already been in for so long. And in that, we miss the spirit-filled living because we cannot deny the flesh to an extent that we absolutely trust that God, whatever you want to do with my will, whatever you want to do with my words, the utterance sometimes scares us because we know and understand that yes, when the spirit of God comes upon you, you do receive a language of, prayer language, the, 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 the language of tongues that is not your own, and sometimes we get messed up about that. And we've also seen those Pentecostal pep rallies where everybody's loud and crazy and I, oh, just wonky. And so that gets us to a place where, you know, we had Sister Frida, Sister Thacker, the helicopter, holy helicopter, happened every time I brought a friend to church that was not Pentecostal. I knew it would happen. I knew that God would move. I knew that Sister Frida was going to do the helicopter, and people were going to be all... Scared, my friend was gonna be scared. I got to the point where I would almost try to seat us, you know, positionally where we were out. She was out of our peripheral because I did not want I did not want my friend to feel like you are a nutcase. I mean I'm just being real honest about you. I grew up Pentecostal. Maybe you didn't, you don't even understand what I'm talking about. You have never had that experience. If you did, if you were a teenager and you had someone at your church that did such a thing, then you know what I'm saying. And so I, I, I always, not that I was ashamed, but I understood that all that she would know of me as a Pentecostal girl was the stigma. I hate to say it that way, but that was what it would become. And sometimes you can let religious tradition, church practices make you afraid. I will tell you this about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is absolutely a gentleman who loves and values you as a person. And he takes you, the very essence of who you are and who God designed and created for you to be. And he polishes it and brings out the gold that God has laid inside of you. And he begins to create that, or to, to bring out that gem, that diamond in the rough that you are. And it will be in a way that is absolutely natural to you. You can't believe it. Because when you look at the supernatural from the outside, it looks creepy and weird. I promise you that the Spirit of God making himself real to you will be as natural as you have ever seen. In fact, you might finally get in a worship service and feel like, this is these are my people. This is my place. Right now, if you're at church and worship starts, Oh, you split the sea so I can walk right through it. And, I, and you might have a crazy lady that's like, Yeah, because that's my thing. Yeah! You split the sea so I can walk right through it. Because the supernatural is so profoundly natural to me and the spirit. Man, I want it to be for you. I want it to be for the church that we understand that the spirit of God moving in us can be a natural and a normal and an expected thing. But there are some stigmas about Pentecost that have got to go. I'm finally getting to the meat of my sermon. Sorry, Pastor Brown. That was a long intro. I got fired up. I got fired up. It happens every time. I sit on the front row and I think I'm not getting fired up in the intro. I'm waiting on the points. Hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it ever will. I'll try. I'm already sweating. I'm already sweating. Needed to wait till point number one for that. But I want to to be able to carry you as the vessel of God, delivering the word of God to you today. My heart's desire, and I believe that it is the Lord's, is to give you enough knowledge to have courage to step across the threshold and say, "I want to pray in the supernatural. I, I want to mean business every time I go into the prayer closet." I'll tell you that my same friends that were scared to death about Sister Thacker, when her one of them, when her brother tried to commit suicide, she called me on the phone and said, "I know you know how to pray, and I need you to pray right now." and then two others, since they have left, one of them was in the military, was at a point where he was about to break on base, didn't have anybody near him, and he called me and said, look, this might be weird for you, but I don't know anybody else that I want to hear praying for me right now than you. Not because he likes the sound of my voice. I hadn't talked to him in two years, but he just understood that there's something about the Spirit of God that can change a situation. And then another one of our friends visited Jorn just Since our kids have been born, and he said, You know, I always knew that whatever was inside of you was real. And I always knew that when you talk to God, He listens. Now, God listens every time we talk to Him, all of us. He listens to you, He listens to you, He hears you. But what He was trying to say and to articulate was that heaven will respond to a spirit filled prayer because it is the will and the Word of God. And I you that when that becomes a natural reality in your life you will want to live in that prayer closet 90 day fiance will not be able to rip you out of your prayer closet Xbox will not be able to drag you by your toenails out of your prayer closet okay there's nothing in the world that is better that is more appealing that is more beautiful than the life of a spirit filled prayer warrior nothing more effective I'm living with one at what could be the end of her life. And she doesn't talk like me or sound like me or pray like me or think or act like me. She is the most meek and calm person you have ever seen. She doesn't get passionate about anything. I even brought her my banana pudding and she didn't get excited. That's crazy. I looked ashamed to, to say it because I think he's had it before. But at the same time, I love... To kneel at the end of Miss Verna's bed and hear her pray. And it's like this loud right here. Oh, Lord. This is how Miss Verna prays. But that's not what heaven, hear, or heaven or hell hears. I don't know what they hear, but it's not this. And this may be what my ear hears, but my spirit hears like, Whoa. <gasps> What is that? That is the clothing of power from on high. So let me get to my three big things. I'm, I'm there. I heard chuckling. I'm really there. It's not even a lie this time. Pentecostal prayer is not natural, number one. Pentecostal prayer is not natural, and thank God it's not. The Bible said, and I already read it, that we do not war according to the flesh. We, our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty. That's good. That's good. That's good. And it also says carnal weapons are weak. That's what it says. Carnal weapons are weak. Spiritual weapons are mighty. Pentecostal prayer is not natural because it is not part of your cursed nature to carry something heavy. That's just what happens. Me and the natural cannot carry something heavy. No, I don't want to. It's too heavy. I might sweat. I might break a nail. I don't have nails, but that's what, what a normal lady would say, I guess. I might break a nail. I might hurt something. I might pull something. I might get a hernia. I'm not doing it. It takes too much effort. Guess what? Pentecostal prayer is the not natural part of prayer. So it's like way above that part of you that says it's too heavy. That's too heavy for me. That's too deep for me. That's too hard for me. I can't go there. You know what? When you begin to be clothed with power on high, you're like, give me the big stuff. Give me the hard stuff. Give me the crazy stuff. Give it to me. I don't care because I'm not living. I'm not working. I'm not walking by my carnal nature, but I am working by the power of the Spirit of God. And He is mighty. And I just preach my earring off. He is mighty in pulling down strongholds and bringing every thought into captivity that exalts itself into obedience that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I experienced this just Wednesday night, just Wednesday night where there was a time, y'all, some of you, my dad has driven the bus for Maranatha on a Wednesday night, and he understands that we deal with some very carnal stuff. And so this boy, this little boy, precious little boy, about 11 years old, began to have just a manic episode. And I'm going to switch it to a demonic episode. His mama calls it a manic episode. I was right there, and that was a demonic episode. And he tried to wring a little boy's neck, not just a little. Pew, pew, pew. Not one of those. It was like, he's going to wring his neck. Somebody get over there and pull him off of this kid. And he just had this supernatural strength. And he started saying, he wants me to kill all of y'all. He wants me to kill all of y'all. And when I get done, I'm going to kill myself. I mean, it was an absolute breakdown, just a breakdown. And I began just to get like that chill in my spirit, which is followed, by the way, by boiling in my blood. Like, oh, no, you don't. Mm. Nostrils flaring. I'm about to pray. I'm about to Pray. That's what's happening. And by the way, this is in the middle of what we call the gaga pit. I don't know if you know what a gaga pit is. It's dodgeball on the ground. Kids are everywhere. It's like the sandlot times 10 and really, really dirty. So they're playing dodgeball. I got this kid threatening to kill everyone. No one else is freaking out about this, by the way, because it's a pretty common occurrence. So I'm like, this this ain't right. This ain't right. And I said, Luis, get over here. Get over here. And he's still just wailing. And and I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. Do you believe that God is powerful? Yes, he's like, yes. Do you believe that God can quiet anything else in your mind? Do you believe that if God tells something to be quiet, it has to be quiet? You remember the story, don't you, about the storm and that Jesus talks? yes. He's still freaking out. Yes, yes, yes. And I said, I'm fixing to pray and it's going to be quiet and I don't want you to give it another voice. Do you understand me, Louise? Yes. And so we started to pray and to call heaven down and that boy stopped trembling and that boy stopped shaking. And when we got done, he said, Miss Alicia, it feels good when you pray. You know what that is? The spirit of God. The spirit of God that is mighty. He sees a therapist. He's on medication. There are so many ways that people are trying to calm that spirit and that supernatural activity in him. But has anybody ever dared to say, we can pray about this. We can go to heaven for this. And that demon, that devil doesn't get to stand and tell you anything because God speaks over your life. And I'm just going to tell you honestly, I'm going to have to pray that prayer with Luis again. I had like 10 minutes with him, and he's a kid. And I don't know what kind of home he goes to. And it was just that moment where he got a glimpse of the glory of God. I can't even say that God absolutely delivered him. But I know one thing. I'm going to see Luis next Wednesday. And I'm going to see him on Sunday. And I'm going to see him again. And God, fill me with his spirit so that I'm not praying a natural prayer over a boy that's sleeping with demons. Because that's the world that we live in. And it just doesn't happen in Shirley, Arkansas. People think it does. No. It happens everywhere. In the, in the United States of America and beyond. It happens everywhere. Because the world is under the curse of the wicked one. But it doesn't get to stand under a spirit-filled, unnatural, Holy Ghost kind of prayer. And thank God that Pentecost is not natural. So that I can look a demonic presence in the face and say, I know what to do with you. That's the power of Pentecost. Secondly, and I, I didn't follow my notes. I'll tell you this. Stop trying to solve spiritual problems and wage spiritual warfare in your carnal mind. It's pulling, semi, pulling a semi with a golf cart. Supernatural has to take place to experience lasting victory. I should say that. It was in my notes. There you go. But Ephesians chapter 6 says to be strong in the Lord, to put on his armor. I'm sure you've learned this in Bible school, you know, in Sunday school. This is something we've been taught over and over and over. As an adult, when you begin to encounter these situations, you really understand that the armor of God is meaningful and valuable in our Pentecostal prayer life. Ephesians 6 and 18 says that same chapter says this at the end after that grocery list of all of our weapons. Pray with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful with perseverance, for the saints. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. You won't defeat the devil with good intentions and positive thinking. You're going to have to pray in the spirit. And some of you might have been wrestling something. You might have been fighting something. I just want to encourage you. It's not a natural thing you're fighting against. And it's not going to be a natural way that you win that war. It's not going to be by your own nature, by your own determination that you win it. But when you begin to pray with prayer and supplication in the spirit, putting on the armor of God, you'll find that the supernatural can become natural to you in spite of the fact that Pentecostal prayer is not natural. Secondly, it's not simple. It's comprehensive. And this is something that that I have to tell you that growing up as a child, people would say, you know, it's just, this is just what we do. I, I grew up as a Pentecostal girl. This is what we do. We pray in the spirit and it's simple and you just open your mouth. Have you ever had to anybody when you were trying even to receive the Holy Spirit said, just open your mouth. And so it felt like everything was so diluted to me when I really began to understand who he was, who he was, not it. The spirit of God is not an it who he was and what he wanted to do in my life, I realized this isn't simple. This isn't just before potluck, we're going to hear a bunch of people jabber tongues and then we're going to go eat, eat cake and it'll all be fine. And we'll all be tired and sweaty from waiting for so long on them to get done. I understood that some comprehensive stuff is going on when we begin to pray in the Spirit. Second Corinthians mentions the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of arguments and high things, the bringing thoughts into captivity, the punishing disobedience. You know what this sounds like to me? Strategy. I didn't even give you time to think. I just answered my own question right away. So that's what, because I got to get through. I'm, I got a timer on my computer. You know what it sounds like to me? Strategy. Do you know what the Spirit is doing in you when you begin to exist and live and walk? By the Spirit, he's strategizing for you, for others around you. He's beginning to craft and to create and to set up a strategy for heaven's purposes that you can never understand in your natural mind. And thank God that he allows us to be a part of it, that he does this with our prayers because Pentecostal prayer is not simple. I hope that after this day, you will never again say, all we can do is pray. I can pray. That's what I'm going to say. I can pray. You want me to pray right now? Because I can pray right now. There have been a few times that, you know, I've shocked people in the line of the grocery store, like, let's just pray about it. They're like, what? I'd... Okay. <laughs> Looking around like, okay. I can't say no to a preacher, but I don't really know about this. You know, and they like reach their hand for me. They really only bow one. I know they're not closing their eye. I'm closing my eyes, but I can feel that their eyes are open because they're scanning to see if anybody that they know is in Dollar General right now. But then at some point, you say something that just strikes a chord, and they're like, yeah, Yes. And you hear that little, yes. That's what they say. That's what somebody says when you're like weirding them out by wanting to pray for them with a prayer that they think is going to be a simple church lady prayer. And then it becomes a comprehensive, the Holy Spirit's doing surgery on my spirit right here in the Dollar General line. And I really don't know what that's about, but I'm liking it. And they say, yeah. And then you keep praying because you're like, yes. Have you experienced this? Oh, yeah. Holy Spirit. What else you got? What you got? What you got? Let me pray it over him. Let me speak it out. And then by the time you're done, there's tears. And they're like, thank you for doing that. Thank you. That was what I needed. How did you know that? Because Pentecostal prayer is not simple. It is comprehensive. And with your words and your will, God can do the supernatural. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is Ephesians 6 and 12. I'm going to be there a little bit. But principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you can be able to withstand and in the evil day having all you can stand Martha Tennyson tells a story about a soldier in Vietnam and there was a mission that this guy had to accomplish Well, it was it was given to their whole battalion troop, whatever you call it I don't know how to say that but the the general came in and said guys, this is what needs to happen You're gonna have to cross enemy lines. You're gonna have to get some very sensitive information and then you're going to have to cross enemy lines again. There's, there's a s- small likelihood that you'll survive. But at the same time, I need this to happen. Because it, it's got to happen and, and someone's got to do it. And I'm not going to call anyone out because I don't want to be responsible for your death. That's encouraging, right? You're like, not raising my hand on this one. So he said, I need a volunteer. I want to volunteer. And if any of you would be willing to serve, I would appreciate it. But he didn't want to ask. So a young man volunteered and he said, I will on one condition. I need you to wait until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. The general said, we don't really need to, but you're the only guy that raised his hand, so that's what's gonna happen. Ball's kind of in your court. So he did it, he completed the mission. They asked him later, and many of you who have a praying mama know where this is going. They they asked him when the mission was complete, why did you wanna wait till 10 o'clock? And he said, because before I left the United States soil, my mama said she would pray for me at 10 o'clock every day. And I knew that if I could do this mission between the hours of 10 and 11, there wasn't anything on this battlefield that could touch me. And I believe that that speaks to the comprehensiveness. Can you imagine what's going on in just a military situation? But at the same time, in your natural life, maybe you say, these are things I just cannot work out. Everything has to come together so perfectly for it to work. Everyth- well, guess what? Everything had to come together so perfectly for you to take a breath this morning, for the sun to rise in the sky, for the waters to move on the sea. And I'm pretty sure that God of all creation spoke it into motion. And when you pray, he speaks. That is not simple. That is comprehensive. No wonder he expects us to step through a threshold to be clothed with power because it's kind of a big deal. And thirdly, last point, moving on. Thirdly, Pentecostal prayer is not ignorant. It isn't. This one is one that I just say with a little bite in my teeth like, not ignorant because there are so many stigmas that are attached to us as a spirit filled people. And that just see what we do as silliness. By the way, God will use foolishness of man to do some pretty incredible things. And have identified and looked at us as ignorant, and some of it we've done to ourselves. I mean, honestly, in the church, some of it we've done to ourselves by not fully understanding this power that God uses in us. But I can tell you that Pentecostal prayer is not ignorant. Ephesians 6 and 14, go back to that one more time. The armor of God talks about having our waist girded with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit that's the word of God. And then it goes on, praying and prayer and supplication and you guys can come on up, Um, worship team, you can come on up with me. Pentecostal prayer is not ignorant. It takes all of those specific and necessary things and puts them together on a very natural and carnal person, transforming us into the very image of God so that we can accomplish his purpose, so that we can speak his word. And that's why it says, by the way, in Romans 8, and this verse, it just sums up everything about Pentecostal prayer. The spirit helps in our weakness. We don't know what we should pray for, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. I don't know what to pray. Alicia Holt prayer is pretty ignorant. I'm sure there are times when I'm praying when he's chuckling at me because there, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a threshold to be broken in the natural, even for a preacher lady, when I begin to pray. And I don't always just, Lord, I'm praying right now and things are happening in heaven. It's not that way. There's not this light that comes down. and oh. I mean, there are times when even my own flesh has to be disciplined. And finally, you find yourself in the spirit. And there's a different even sense on it. For me, there's a different physical feeling about it. And I understand that the armor of God, I can almost imagine it's like Iron Man. Do you guys do you know about Iron I mean, you know where he, he calls the suit and it's like... It just all, but there, there's this place. Some of you didn't get that at all, and I don't blame you for that. And then the rest of you did. The suit comes on and co- and covers him, you know. And it, and there is a time in prayer you tarry, wait, don't leave until you've hit that place. Don't pray in the natural and say I prayed today. As long as I've prayed in the natural, I don't feel like I've prayed today. I mean, that's just wh- where I'm at personally. Until I have hit that place where the Spirit helps in my weakness. Because when I come to God and begin to pray in my weakness, sometimes I tarry and I wait and, and seek him out. And, and that's the beauty, by the way, of this pre-service prayer. Do it. Wait, Terry, let the, let the spirit go ahead and just begin to stir in you. Let the spirit go ahead and begin to flow through you and begin just to minister to you and to minister through you so that by the time you all get together in this room, you're not having that time of discipline in your flesh and waiting on it all to come together. Because God says, I want to work it in you. And then when you get together and when you have all assembled and you are filled with the Spirit, the place where you've been will be shaken. That is God's will for this church. That is God's will for His church at large. But even here today, that is God's will for you. I already told one of Martha Tennyson's story. I ripped her off. I'm going to do one more. If you hadn't heard her, wow. She, she's, I bet I know 20 Martha Tennyson stories Because she's just an incredible woman of faith And I gotta tell you that I went up to talk to her Because I really wanted her to notice something about me Like that person, you know Just that really selfish part of you That's like, I'm gonna go visit Martha Tennyson See if my spirit is like her at all And she didn't notice me at all So, I thought you might like that You might appreciate that I just preached my guts out to you, I'm telling you Martha Tennyson, my hero of the faith Was like, hello sister, how you doing? And just went on, that's alright That's all right. I still love her. And I'm still confident in the spirit of God in me. A man doesn't have to tell me that I'm clothed with power. A woman doesn't have to tell me that I'm clothed with power. But it would have been really cool if she did. Because she is awesome. So she tells a story of her husband. And her husband was preaching. And this woman kept giving him a funny look. And he was weirded out by it. That's not how she said it. She's old. She don't talk like that. But the woman came up and said, Pastor, when you were preaching, I saw an octopus. Come and sit on your head, and wrap its tentacles around you. Well, this one, this lady was a spirit-filled woman, and he pretty well trusted her. And so he said, "All right, I'm gonna write it down, and I'll just wait and see what happens with it." Oh, I, I forgot. I forgot. The octopus wrapped its tentacles around you, and then she said, "I forgot this part." A piranha came out of the air and ate it up off your head. So that's what that's what she said. Well, a year later, he began to have headaches. He goes to the doctor. And the doctor said, you have got a tumor on your brain that I cannot operate on. And it's in the shape of an octopus. And it looks like it's got itself wrapped around your brain. And he said, we can operate right now. You know, and and hopefully we can get part of it and it can extend your life. We can't get all of it. it. It's inoperable as far as being able to remove it completely, but we can maybe extend your life. And he said, well, I want you to give me 30 days. And Martha Tennyson said she was looking at him like, 30 days? He just said there's an octopus on your brain give me 30 days. And so they got to the car and she said, did you hear what the doctor just said? And her husband said, did you hear what the doctor just said? He said, it's an octopus. And if it's an octopus, then God's going to send a piranha and he's going to take care of this thing. Not ignorant. All right. In man, in man's ideas, that was an ignorant thing, right? I mean, piranha, is what in the world? Many of us would have just shrugged it off. He used something that would have seemed ignorant to the rest of us, but when we begin to trust it and we trust God and we say, "If God, if it's your word and if your word says it, I'm going to hang on to it and I'm going to do it. And with that kind of abandon, if, if I saw an octopus on Pastor Brown's head in my mind's eye right now and then I saw a piranha go and eat it, I would never tell him, ever. He would think I was a nut. I just think about the will that that, that, that woman must have had surrendered to God. To say, I trust you, God. I might be ignorant, but you're not ignorant. And if you give it to me, I'm going to run with it. And I believe this morning that God is asking for that kind of surrender from us so that we see the unnatural, the supernatural, the comprehensive, and the wise prayer begin to come from our mouth to affect the place where we're at. And the place that they were at was shaken. That's what the word says. And if you'd stand with me this morning, and I believe that God has something great for you today. I believe that some of you who have never been filled with the spirit of God, who have never experienced that in your life, where he overwhelms you with his nature, with the revelation of who he is. I believe this is your morning to receive it. Absolutely. It's not, it is not something is designated for just a few but God intends to fill every man, woman and child in this place with his spirit and not only that but those of you that have been struggling with a problem that is way too messy for you I believe that the spirit of God that is so comprehensive can come and can begin to put things in motion and put things out of motion to the point where you will experience a victory in your life through the power of a spirit filled prayer and if that's you this morning and you say, I do not need a natural prayer. I need a miracle from God and I want to see him move in my life. I want you to come on down to the front because I want to pray with you first. Sometimes we get discouraged because people don't get to us. The preacher, the pastor doesn't get to us to pray. Don't worry about it if the preacher, the pastor doesn't get to you to pray. Well, I'm going to pray with them first and then if I can get to you, I will. Those of you that say, I need a miracle, get up here. I want to pray with you first. Those of you also that would say, I want the spirit of God. Some of you are like, I can't believe you didn't call that one first. This is just where God led. I feel like God has something for you this morning. God has a miracle for you this morning. God has a word for you this morning that are struggling in that situation. I'm eager to get down there and give it to you. But at the same time, those of you that say, I want the spirit of God to be active, to be moving, to be me, to absolutely possess me. We don't possess his spirit. His spirit possesses us takes us. Absolutely. And you would say, I just want to say to God, take me. Let me pray in the supernatural. Let me pray through your wisdom. Let my prayer closet be changed today. Come and remodel my prayer closet. Lord, that ought to be your prayer this morning. By the way, I can say that when I can offend you and go home. Every single person in the church ought to have that prayer to say, remodel my prayer closet. Rework my prayer life. Begin to do a work in me. I'm going to pray over you as a congregation. Go ahead and come forward. Begin to seek after God. I want to just begin to pray over you. God, I pray over this fellowship that you would begin to remodel our prayer closets. Lord, that we would take our natural minds and surrender fully to you and the power of your supernatural. Begin right now to stir the giftings, Lord, of your spirit. Begin to raise up in men and women, God, just a heart, Lord, that is full of passion and zeal for you full lord of passion and zeal to see your will come to pass begin to ignite their hearts with the fire of your spirit begin to ignite their lives lord with the glory of heaven that this place could be shaken father we seek your will we seek your purposes